Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, BC Radio Live listeners. I'm Eric Olson, publisher and uh, I guess founder of blogcritics.org magazine. We're here every Wednesday night, although in the summertime it sure doesn't feel like evening at at 6 o'clock Eastern, and uh, especially when we're talking to people where it's 3 o'clock out on the West Coast. Got a great, great show tonight. Really excited about it. Haven't uh, haven't talked to any sort of more electronic-related artists in quite a while. We've been been kind of in a, not that it's a bad rut, but we've been in kind of in a rock band, kind of an indie rock band mode. So I'm really excited to be talking with Chris Corner of IMX. And you also may know Chris from his days with Sneaker Pimps. And he's here visiting from the UK and doing a little tour and whatnot. So we'll be speaking to him very shortly. Also coming up at about quarter after, we'll be speaking with guys from Hypernova and believe it or not, an Iranian rock band. How cool is that? And they kind of have a cool retro sound, too. It's like, whoa, Iranians doing Elvis or something. How cool is that? And then coming up at about 6.30, we'll uh, switch over to the blog critics portion of the show. We'll be talking about uh, Apple products, I guess, and DRM and whatnot with Philip and Lisa. But let's get right into it because we never seem to have enough time. Chris, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. I'm a little weak, um, but it's beautiful where I am. I'm in Big Sur, in between San Fran and L.A., enjoying the weather and the journey. That is a beautiful drive. Which way are you heading? Are you heading north or south? We're going south. Um, I'm I'm on an old, uh, crazy old payphone um, in a strange, in the Whale Watchers Cafe. I can see the sign there. And I can literally see whales. Um, whilst I'm talking to you. Well, you got me beat. I'm looking out at a driveway, which is, you know, it's a fine shade of concrete, but uh, it is a driveway nonetheless. I see a little green out beyond the driveway there, a little, little snatch of green out through the window. But, yeah, I would say your setting uh, definitely has mine beat by by a mile. Yeah, well, that is a beautiful drive. I haven't done it. I'm actually from California originally. So okay. I've, I've done it a few times, but it's been years now. But yeah, it's very peaceful and beautiful, and you see a it lot is. of change in in climate too. You you kind of go through a lot of different, uh, you know, weather systems uh, on that drive from LA to San Francisco. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying most of it. Um, there's there's one problem, which is the is the the general sicky feeling from all of the bends in the road, um, combined with my fever. And going down too well, but I'm sure I'll get over it. Aye, aye, aye. That is a bad combo, though. So is it from traveling? I mean, did you pick up something coming over from... I think so. I think I just got a bit, um, uh, you know, when your body tells you to, to, to stop and, and um, your immune system goes haywire, um, I just got a bit run down. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit better today. Oh, boo-hoo. Poor me. Oh no no I I don't have that sense at all. It's a, you're you're uh you're a trooper. You're soldiering on through there. So what let's give us uh give people a little bit of a background. At a very very young age, what 15 I guess, you started yeah. sneaker pimps, right? Yeah, I was I was um kind of I found, I I founded it with my friend Liam who's who was a bit older than me, so he he took the he took the reins initially. Um and uh, we did it when we were in school and college, and um, and then eventually uh, I left 
college and, and we, we took it on the road and it became my profession, I guess, my, my job. And um, I became a full-time musician. Well, you had that tre- band. tremendous success with it. And I, we, were, we were talking just before we went on the air and I played all kinds of sneaker pimp tunes. You were, you were really on the kind of the cutting edge of the, uh, what, the trip hop, I guess it was considered? Yeah. Was that where you got uh, shoehorned? <laughs> yeah, those- shoehorned <laughs> is a good word. I mean, we we never really felt part of, 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 of anything, actually. Um, and even in the UK, where we were based, um, I've always had the feeling that we were never really part of anything and never really cool or, or interesting. Um, but, you know, we just did our own thing. And and, and um, even even IMX, my, my solo thing now, is, is a real sort of extension of that of that path of, of just doing things independently and I'm not really caring about the rest of the in the record industry. Well, uh, it seems to me like the people who do things on their own and have their own vision and their own perspective, uh, you know, who aren't trying to to be like so and so or someone else, that those are the ones who really make a difference. And yeah, I, I love the the range of your music. I'm a big electronic music fan. Haven't been a a DJ on and off for for most of my adult life, and I've always loved back to the before I even knew what it was electronic music and yeah and uh, I, I really love the range though uh, on this on this new album uh, it's a, yeah, a little bit of a little bit of everything it's all very melodic though and it really sticks in the head in fact let's give people a let's give people a taste of it of of the brand new album or or almost brand new album. And let me uh, find out where that is, because I'm a dummy. All right, this is the title track from Kingdom of Welcome Addiction. It's Chris Corner's solo project, I Am Am X. Play, you fool. Love it. Love the drama. Love the lushness of it. That is super fantastical. Where did the where did the lyrics? Where did the the title uh, the concept come from? The kingdom of welcome addiction. Well, I guess it it, it kind of describes a um, a world or a place or a sort of fantasy um, that I wanted to create with with IMX a kind of escape from the the norm and um how things are done and 
and also to maybe describe um, addiction in the sense of whether it be hedonism or any of those negative feelings and try and put them into a positive light. Excuse the car in the background, I'm, I'm outside. Um, and just to um, to describe this this alternative place of existence, and I think it sort of represents the whole project um, and the whole attitude of, of IMX in general. Interesting. I was reading your blog on your on your MySpace site, which is amazing. Also, <laughs> really well done. You got video, got all kinds of stuff. Man, you, I mean, you're very popular. You got all kinds of people following you. Love the visuals on it. There's music. Absolutely encourage everyone to go check out www.myspace.com slash IMX, which is I-A-M-X. Super, super site. And uh, Chris blogs on there as well. So I was reading, uh, I think it was the latest one, and you were you were sort of, you were fascinated but horrified by the selection of food in a, in a what was it, a fast food, a gas station or something at, at, at the wee hours of the morning, it sounded like. Yeah, I, I just arrived in the U.S. and um, um, you know, being European, I'm, I'm used to certain certain um, kinds of foods and sizes of foods, and I, I arrived in in a I think it was just a Seven Eleven, and um, I picked up a cup, and the cup, um, which was for a soda, I guess, um, was literally as big as my head, and I was I was a little bit um, disturbed by that. <laughs> Um, it was I, a I was big a gulp, a big yeah. gulp, my friend. <laughs> I didn't know whether I should just piss in it or something, or I, don't, I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, go for a quick but, swim? Yeah, go for a quick swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I was a little disturbed by that. And, and actually, the next day, I, I was, I was, I was, I had the, the opposite feeling. I went into Whole Foods, and I was in heaven, so... Obviously, uh, here in, 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 in the U.S., you can find whatever you want. Um, we are all about consumer choice, are we not? Yes, you are. <laughs> for good and for ill. Yes. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. I'm always very interested in the in the perspective of, of America. Because yeah, people really forget. They kind of assume that that the you know the western world uh, kind of in a broader sense and then but certainly then in particular the english speaking world that, yeah. that we're just all the same and and even now here you know in this day and age we're not there's differences yes there's, there's, there's huge differences it's 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 a massive cultural um difference between europe and and the us and and i i have the same feeling when i come over i kind of expect everybody to be Kind of European, and 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 it's not. And in some ways, that's 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 brilliant. For instance, with the, the live shows that we do, um, the energy and, and enthusiasm from the crowd is, is just is, is wonderful from the from the American audience um, compared to the, the European audience, which is great, but is a bit more reserved in ways and a bit kind of more um, laid back. You know, um, it seems like the American crowd is really hungry and um, desperate for for something. <laughs> Um, or maybe that's just the way. Maybe they're just really excitable, and, and, and that's cool too. So the cultural differences can be really, really positive too. Well, that brings up a great point, and I, I refer everyone again to the MySpace site, www.myspace.com/slash/iamx, pronounced I-M-X, and we've got a whole schedule of shows coming, including the next one, uh, which I guess is a real big one for you. This is a recurring thing where. 
where uh, I guess you sell out every time at the El Rey Theater in L.A., and that's coming up on the 12th. That sounds very exciting. Yes, I, I do love to play in L.A. It's funny because, um, I mean, I've been to L.A. a few times, and um, I have this, this kind of love-hate relationship with it. Oh, who doesn't? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm from there. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, where are you now, anyway? I'm in the Cleveland Ohio okay. area, believe it or uh-huh. not. Is that is that is that middle? No. Yeah, it is. It's, it's right in the middle, middle. Um, kind of north. It's uh, the Great Lakes. We're yeah. about. Uh, we're actually pretty close to halfway between Chicago and New York. Okay. Okay. And pretty much the same uh, uh, longitude too. Okay, well, I'll have to try and get out there sometime. Yeah, yeah, you should. There's a real big, real strong uh, electronic music following you know back kind of in the heyday of the industrial bands and whatnot well yeah they were always playing here i see you're on metropolis we you know all the metropolis bands came through and nine inch nails is from here uh-huh oh wow trent reznor is from cleveland i mean he's, he's actually from a small town in pennsylvania not far from here but but right. cleveland was where nine inch nails was formed and where you know he became that and uh, recorded that first album and and everything. So That's yeah, we, can, very we have a cool. yeah we have a pretty pretty strong uh, electronic slash industrial uh, heritage here. Peru. Do you think you'll ever go back here. to LA then? Or? Oh yeah, I go back fairly often, although not as often. I've actually been here now almost 20 years, believe it or not, uh, back in Cleveland. I, I've spent about exactly half my life in in both places. I've gone back and forth a few times. From L.A., moved out here by family uh, when I was going into high school. Went to high school and college in Ohio. Then yeah. Back in in L.A. and now I've been now I've been back in uh, Cleveland. So I'm 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 almost equally divided. It's it's interesting because people here still hear the the uh, uh, what is perceived to be a California or you know some sort of West Coast accent. Of course, and then when I'm out in L.A., it's like <laughs> God, you. You're just this weird Midwesterner, man. Go get me some corn, man. <laughs> oh, try doing what I do, man. It's like, you know, traveling everywhere. You, you just have no sense of home, no no accent, and you're kind of this global, universal being. Mid-Atlantic, <laughs> yes. Where are you from in, in UK? I'm from um, uh, the Northeast. There's a little place called Middlesbrough, a horrible little town. Yeah. Um, and then I spent, I moved to London because that's the only place you do move to. Um, and now I live in Berlin, actually, which is a fabulous place. Interesting. Yeah. yeah the, the the allure of Berlin has held the, has grabbed many an artist from Bowie and, and Iggy yeah. back in the 70s. I know Depeche Mode did uh, did a lot of work there. Mm, it's, 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 it's a really great place. You should check it out. Sometime. I have never been. It's it's so weird. I'm fairly well-traveled in some respects. I've been to, I think, 49 of the 50 U.S. states, and I've been to Asia. But I, I've only, in Europe, I've only been to uh, Spain and France. Yeah, and and then we uh, we ran down across the Mediterranean to uh, to North Africa, but uh, I, I I haven't been to the UK in my life. It's just bizarre. But you know what? We're going to the London Olympics, so we're we're planning to make a real big trip out of that. <laughs> yeah, you got to get that. So, uh, oh gosh, it's already uh, quarter after. Oh man, oh man, oh man, <laughs> I hate that. You know, uh, but no caller yet, so we can we can chat a bit more. Before we do that, I wanted to, the single off the new album, uh, Kingdom of Welcome Addiction, is Think of England, correct? 
Um, it, it depends where you are, I guess. Ah. Um, because we're doing things independently, uh, we right. respond to each ter- territory in a different ma- manner, if we can. <laughs> You're flexible. Yes, we're, we're flexible, basically. We give them what they want. Um, <laughs> All right, well, let's, can we check out Think of England? You can check out whatever you'd like to. Well, I'd love that one as well. Okay. So let's let's give it a give it a whirl here, at least briefly. I heard the Berlin reference there. You got the Berlin reference, but that's good. <laughs> All right, now, okay, do what I tell you to do, Mr. Switchboard here. All right, hey, I believe we've been joined. Is it by Rom? Is Rom with us? Yes, Rom? this is Rom from Hypernova. Excellent. <laughs> Hello. Hello, now, are how you guys, guys doing? Are you guys touring together or anything like that? We oh. are, yes. Yeah, we are. Um, it, it, with, it's it's so, really so it's like an honor Ron to be on tour sitting in the Chris. car there at Big Sur. <laughs> yes, we're we're driving down the 101. Actually, it's quite a view. See, I see you guys are physically about in the same place too. Uh, Probably, kind of. I, guess. I think I think they took the highway. We took the the long way. <laughs> ah, tremendous. Nice. Well, gosh, you know, I feel I feel like an outsider here. You know, can I join you guys on tour? Come down, man. It's I'd, an open I'd, thing. Boy, I'd, if it wasn't, it's short notice. I'd, I'd love to. That, uh, what, what fun! I'd love to. All right. Well, Chris, I, I guess we will let you go. Uh, yeah. Really, really enjoyed talking with you. Have a great journey down to L.A. Uh, love the new album. Let's remind people one more time uh, about the site. Uh, send them to www.myspace.com/slash. I-A-M-X, all kinds of great information on there, including tour schedule. Looks like you're heading over to Europe after the, speaking of Europe, after the L.A. show. There's yeah. music, there's video, there's all there's blog posts, there's uh, all kinds of madness. And you got you even have like dead famous people who are, who are your friends. Yes. Like, like Fellini and Chopin. Good old Fellini. <laughs> and I know, Breck. my heroes, my heroes. Wow. I, I I'm I'm stunned is what I am, you know. <laughs> All right, well thanks so much, Chris, and I hope you feel better. Uh yes, I I'm getting better. I can I can feel it coming. Okay. Well thanks, I I, thanks, I hope man. it's as quickly as possible and uh again, really enjoy the album. Really encourage everyone to check it out and uh just uh, enjoyed speaking with you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for your support. Okay. Okay. All right, bye bye, Chris. Ciao, bye. All right, so now we have Rom, right? From Hypernova. Yes. Yeah, hey, you know, I was just listening to your album, and what an, what an interesting, uh, sure, it's alternative rock, but I love kind of the retro feel of it, too, you know? I feel like you're reaching back into some of the 
kind of roots of rock there to a certain extent. Um, well, yeah, you know, growing up in Iran, you know, we, we had access to all sort of crazy, obscure 80s music. And um, I guess I guess sort of uh, somehow subconsciously influenced our sound. Um, but I, we all have like such diverse tastes in music, each of us as individuals in the band. Um, like we really can't stand each other's taste, but somehow when we come <laughs> together as a group, um, we find common ground and make whatever it is we make. How interesting. All right. Well, hey, let's send people to, to your site as well. There's always all kinds of great information, and there you guys are, looking all rock bandy. You look like a bunch of rock band guys. And uh, let's see, we have uh, we got the press, we have tour dates. Yes, there you are, playing at the good old El Rey. Oh, but, and you're sticking around in L.A. Where do you guys live now? Um, we live in Brooklyn. We lived in L.A. actually for a year. Um, we did the whole L.A. thing, which is a lot of fun. We love the West Coast. And then uh, we decided to go to New York, and, um, it, you know, as the cliche goes, you know, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere else in the world. So, you know, it, it's very challenging, but it's also very fun. It's, it's a very good and exciting place to be. L.A. has a large Iranian uh, population, doesn't it, community? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, um, obviously, when we first came here, I mean, no one knew who we were, you know, except, like, people in the Iranian community. Sure. Who tremendously have been supportive, you know, all throughout this journey. And if it wasn't for their love and support, um, we really wouldn't have made it this far. Well, my cousin uh, is married and Iranian, well, now Iranian-American, of course, woman. She's a doctor. They're in L.A., and uh, yeah, I, I actually, when I was, uh, I'm from LA. I was, I was a DJ in uh, there in the '80s, and I did lots of parties for uh, for the uh, as as they were called then, the Persian community. <laughs> oh, they love to party, you know. They sure do, boy. We had a great time. I I loved it. And 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 you know who who uh, who their best friends were? At least this group that I got hooked in with. The Israelis. It was, you know, it's like God. The, if the real world uh, could be like that, you know. Uh, no, I know. We always wish the same. I mean, we have so many Israeli friends as well. I mean, friends from all over. We've made friends with people like from everywhere in this journey. And um, the more you know, we travel around the world, and the more people we meet, uh, you know, we just realize how how great you know our similarities are, and how little our differences are. Um, this whole journey, it really has a sort of a, a universal touch to it. Um, you know, and it's, for us, it's very, very cool as, as musicians to come from this very, you know, crazy place in the world, you know, which is a sort of a, a hot hot spot in the world right now, and um, to come out to be able to do what it is we're doing um, and sort of, you know, changing people's perception and views towards that sort of region. It's very cool, you know, but at the end of the day, for us, it's all about the music, um, and, you know, hopefully um, our music will speak for itself. Well, I think it absolutely does. And and speaking of which, let's take a little let's take a little sample here of uh American Dream from your new album. I know that I'll never go back home to the life I have, the life that I had known. They put me on the cover of their magazine Scarlet skies and broken dreams They promised me that we would change the world For better or for worse All I wanted was to rock and roll All I wanted was 
Yeah, that's how much I love it. Uh, <laughs> accidentally, what a great song! And I love your voice. It's so it's so full throated. You're so it, you're so all there. You know what I mean? You don't you're not holding anything back. And I love the melody. And uh, what a great song! And, and the beginning, man, that is really some poignant stuff. I mean, do you mean that literally that you can't ever go back, or is that more you can't return to to your former lifestyle? But can you? It's can, a bit of both, actually. You know, and um the whole you know this this whole journey coming to the states um we've been through so much you know being our visas being denied then having a new york senator getting involved to get us here and just through all the ups and downs that we've gone to you know and then living in la you know because everyone dreams about going to you know la and hollywood and that's where you go it's like the land of dreams to make it big and obviously there's a lot of vanity over there too you know and you get caught up with all the madness and 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 then when it catches up with you you like you think to yourself wait a minute is this what i really wanted you know and so it's 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 got an introverted you know song you know and I, I, you know after like all the things that we've been achieving through this journey it, you you really do feel that you know you you can't go back to the to the former life that you had you know once you right. start tasting you know the the joys of rock and roll it's it's really really hard to go back. Yeah, how long have you been in the U.S.? Um, we came here March 2007, and we were supposed to only stay for two weeks. And two weeks have turned to like two and a half years now. <laughs> God, you know, you barely have an accent. How is it that you speak well, so well? Well, I actually, I was born in Iran, but I grew up in Eugene, Oregon back in the 80s. Ah, but but then did you return then to form the band? Yeah, I, I returned when I was like 10 years old. And my bandmates had never left the country and they'd never been to the States either, obviously. So for them, it was it was quite the thing, you know, to come here for the first time and to come on stage and to perform and to, you know, have an audience and to, you know, sort of gradually make it um it's it's very cool and you know we've been living together forever the five of us we live together in a big well it's not a big loft but it's it's a, it's a small loft in brooklyn and uh we just you know it's been a it's been a very fun ride you know um we feel that we're very blessed we're very fortunate to be where we are we really don't take you know anything for granted and we just we just keep working really hard and hopefully and we can achieve all the all the goals, you know, that that we've set for ourselves. I've always felt that we, you know we're the only ones that can prevent ourselves from achieving our dreams. Well, I'd say that's a that's a pretty good perspective. That's a pretty tremendous perspective. Uh, how how are you perceived in Iran? Uh, how are you viewed by? Well, we're sort of like um, the the first kids who actually came out of the undergrounds over there, and have sort of uh, you know made it, you know, on their own and, and are beginning to get, you know, respect on a on a sort of global level. And um, we've opened doors for other kids and many other musicians, you know. We, the more success we achieve, the more hope it gives to them that they too, you know, can achieve all that we have. And um, I've been helping out a lot of kids back in the undergrounds. And, 
it's really cool for for all these kids who have always believed in us back home in Iran to to see you know us becoming successful over here because there are a lot of people obviously who always just make fun of us and never believed you know that we we get anywhere you know and because uh, it is hard you're know, trying to be a, a rock and roll musician in Iran where it's still a very conservative and traditional country um, where it's really against the cultural norm so um, for us to go against all odds and and come and to to make it as far as we have is is quite a quite a feat of its own that is it's um it's amazing amazing stuff have did have you did you receive any have you had any issues with the government or have they left you alone well we haven't gone back so we'll know the when we go back and whether <laughs> they take us straight back to prison or not so oh no we have no. our fingers crossed yeah gosh i don't know are, are you sending out feelers are you planning to return at some point or do you have a specific oh definitely picture? um the, the sort of goal is to, to become as successful as we possibly can you know in a way where we're so big. By the time we do go back, we'll we'll sort of be untouchable. Ah, I guess. <laughs> I like if that, that plan. Works, man. If it does work, but I guess they they the government over there might not care too much about rock and roll. So you never know, you know. Well, we have a, a presidential election in a couple of days, so hopefully, you know, um, we'll 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 pick the right the right president this time. Interesting, interesting. Ah, what an amazing story! Gosh, uh, I uh, I have nothing but admiration for you guys because, I mean, you know, like you say, it's it, it, any place uh, where you have to be so contrary, you know, to the to the norms in order to pursue your own your own interests and and to be true to yourselves. Uh, you know, I, there's a lot of conflict going on there. I imagine even internally, you know, especially your bandmates who who didn't spend the time. The growing up time here in the U.S. that you did, you know, I imagine they have some internal conflict of, uh, you know, between uh, fulfilling their personal destiny and, and feeling, you know, yeah, I'm a rock and roller, I'm a rock star, and then, you know, but also I'm sure everyone feels ties to the to to the dominant culture as well, at least to a certain extent. Well, thanks to American girls, the whole ride has been much easier. They've yeah. been so so kind. Um, that's how the guys basically learn their English. <laughs> God bless American girls. <laughs> All right, amazing, hypernova. Well, you know what? Uh, because uh, fifteen minutes sure isn't very long, and uh, we did want to talk to both you guys because you're playing both the bands because you're playing together, and let's let's uh, talk about that again here. Uh, mm-hmm. want to refer everyone to your site, uh, myspace.com slash hypernova. It's a cool picture of the guys in the band up against the wall looking all rock and roll lifestyle. And there's lots of music there, cool press. And looks like you guys have been doing really well with the press, uh, doing TV and everything else. There's videos, all kinds of great stuff, as well as a tour schedule. And uh, they will be playing, hypernova will be playing with IMX at the El Rey Theater on the 12th, and that's in L.A. And then on the 13th, you're at Bardot in L.A. You move on the 14th to Cinespace, also in L.A. And then, uh, ooh, I like this, Iran Rocked Inside Out. And that is, I need to put my glasses on. That's June 25th uh, back in, in New York, right? That's right. How cool is that? We're very excited about it. I remember, like, we came with the first thing we went to the Elray Theater. We're like, when can we play this beautiful venue? And now, you know, to finally have that opportunity. So we're so excited about this show. And IMX is just such an amazing man. We love those guys. But Chris is, like, the most amazing performer. You know, we learn so much from him. Every time we see the whole band, every time we see them perform, you know, it, 
it really is. You know, it's just an honor for us, and we're we're, we're happy to be here with them. Well, and I'm sure he feels the same way because uh, you know you guys are, are pretty special, and and that's not to minimize uh, the musical side of it at all. Like I said, I I love the music, but also you know you you can't ignore the the cultural aspect of it too. And and uh, you know I'm, I'm sure he's got I'm sure Chris has nothing but admiration for you guys as well, persevering through all all the various difficulties and fighting your way through cultural situations and. And then uh, you know, finding yourself here in a in a different country. So that, that's some amazing stuff. Uh, once again, I want to refer people to the Hypernova site. It's MySpace.com/slash/Hypernova. Been talking with Rom, and you're the lead singer, right? That's right. Because you know, you're the guy who speaks English. <laughs> uh, that's a funny story. Like I became a singer, but I, I, my voice was awful, to be perfectly honest. Like the only reason I became a singer was. Because I spoke English, and they're like, "Well, you know, because when we first started the band like eight, nine years ago, like, can you play any instruments?" I'm like, "Um, no." So, like, <laughs> what can you do? I'm like, "I can speak English." So, I mean, that was the start. So, <laughs> well, I love how deep your voice is. That's fairly unusual, you know, in rock and roll. I mean, c- contrast yours with, say, Chris's voice. He's got the more, the more classic, you know, tenor. Uh, and then you got this deep, booming voice, which is great. I, you're, you're. Uh, yeah, you're like Jim Morrison, man. <laughs> well, that's cool. We love the Doors. I've always been a, a big Doors fan. And it's funny, when we came to the stage, people told us, you guys sound like Joy Division. And I, was, I never even heard of this band. I'm like, who the hell is Joy Division? Oh, you know, now that I do know, yeah. and I've heard, you know, and, and I'm like, and now I realize that it's like a, a compliment. So it's Ian really Curtis, cool. sure, sure. Ian Curtis, you do, you do. He had, a, he had a real deep voice as well, yeah. Well, Joy Division went on to become New Order. That's um, right. You know, minus... Ian Curtis, who, who uh, apparently, there's always some dispute about these things, but who apparently took his own life at an exceptionally early age, uh, very early 20s, I think. It was amazing what he accomplished in such a short period of time. But yeah, the rest of the band went on uh, uh, to become New Order and and it was, you know, successful worldwide until I think they just broke up just with like just really in the last year maybe so they were around a long long time almost well I hope I don't have to die for our band to make it big and I I do too I uh, (laughs) I don't want to hear about that nonsense all right well my uh I guess we need to move on to the next part of the show but once again congratulations on your success and and have a great time at the show uh all the shows and uh, I'm really going to keep an eye out for you guys and just really, really wish you all the best on on all the various fronts, you know, on, you. on a personal level, cultural level, and, and as rock and roll stars, man. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. Have a great drive down to L.A., too. All right. Thanks. Thank all right, you so much. To talk Take to you care. Soon. Thank you. Peace. Bye-bye. All right. Wow, what a great show. That was that was really, really interesting talking to both of them on the road from San Francisco down to L.A. and they're in the 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 beautiful Big Sur area. That is that is some amazing, amazing stuff. All right, well, let us bring in Lisa. And Lisa, are you there? I am. Hi, Eric. Hi. And who's calling from 804? Anna. Anna. Hi, Anna. Hey. How are you? Hey. All right. Long time no speak. Yes, indeed. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm trying to keep my head above water. You got me working pretty hard. Oh man. Well, and then of course <laughs> with this stupid, uh, 
whatever caused that issue with the Yahoo group, obviously that. <laughs> oh, it turns out I was, it turns out I was sending too many messages too quickly, so got uh, that sorted out, and and now I'll be a little bit more sedate. <laughs> yeah, but of course, in the meantime, all that stuff has piled up. Oh, uh, you, you did a massive music load, boy! I saw that. That was whew, there were hundreds of. <laughs> That was all the stuff I was ready to do last week, so well, I <laughs> it hope was, some it of it in there waiting to be sent out. I hope some of it has expired so you can, so you can ignore it some of it I hope I don't yeah. know yeah, well, as you noticed, I am sure um I've been trying really hard to to keep up to date i'm i'm clo- i'm cl- i'm so far I've been doing all right since I got back from uh which trip was it i it must have been the I think it was a trip to to Nashville. I've been trying to, you know, clear out my email every day. So at least, That's you know, amazing. it's a huge volume, I know, but at least it's real current. And I, I hope yeah. that's helpful. It certainly is for me. I know that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now I just need to get caught up with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can imagine. It's uh, And, and uh, we need to let listeners know this is Anna Creech who runs our entire, our entire review uh, material operation, and she maintains a database, and she sends all the stuff out there, and she approves it all. And I mean, we are literally—we're not exaggerating. We're talking about dozens and dozens and dozens of items every single day, and it never ends. And somehow, some way, she keeps up with it in a manner that is—it is superhuman. I say. No, nah, it's just a librarian. <laughs> Well, a born librarian, because there's librarians and there's librarians. When we first met Eric Berlin, he was a librarian. He was not born to be a librarian. Oh. No. He, he was born to move on. Explain yeah. <laughs> like he knows a librarian, I know. Yeah, in fact, he was, uh, he, I think he was somewhat similar to at least some of what you do, some of the, you know, the information technology stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he that was kind of what he was involved with, but yeah, that's he uh, he went back to school, I think maybe in his like you know late twenties and and got masters in uh, library something or other science I imagine, and yeah. uh, but he didn't do it very long. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Whoa, I'm not sure I'm cut out for this." So uh, yeah, so we heard Philip there. Let's bring in Philip Wynn, who is our. Chief Geek at Blog Critics, and of course Lisa McKay is our executive editor. And as I understand it, you guys are going to be—you uh, wanted to talk a little, a uh, little more Apple here, Apple products, and uh, the dreaded DRM. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm driving a lot of that. I've been—I've been venting all week on my blog. I Monday, of course, was the start of Apple's annual Worldwide Developer Conference, and so they announced all sorts of new things. They announced uh, what the new iPhone is going to be like, the iPhone 3GS. That's exciting. They announced uh, the date of availability of the new iPhone software, 3.0. They announced new MacBook Pros and a few other things, but the trigger for me was that I've, I've had two daughters who've been saving up to buy iPod Touches, and I would not let them purchase anything until after we had this announcement because, you know, hey, they could have gotten up there and announced new iPod Touches, and then then where would we be? Mm-hmm. So, so on, on Monday, they gave the speech. They did not announce new iPod Touches, uh, just a software upgrade, which we, can, which we can get later, so that's fine. So we went out and bought new iPod Touches, which makes us now a 5-Mac... A 
three, um, well, five iPod family, but two of them are, are not of the iPhone slash iPod Touch variety. So I'd already run into problems with Apple's DRM a while back just from having five Macs. For some reason, it just one of them just lost its mind one day and decided I was no longer authorized. It was, mm. it was no fun at all because it was, in fact, my main computer, uh, the one that I use you know, for all my music, it's the one I think my iPhone to. There's no way it's not authorized. But since I have five Macs, and Apple's DRM limits you to authorizing five Macs per account, I was stuck. I couldn't reauthorize it. Every time I tried, it said, no, sorry, you've already used up all five of your authorizations. So now I, then I ended up with four Macs that were authorized, and one I just had to, I had to deauthorize it just so I could have a free, uh, a free slot out of my five to use. Well, Monday it got even worse because it turns out another computer of mine deauthorized itself. So I was about to be down to three computers authorized, uh, and it gets more frustrating than that. But I, I just want to, I just wanted to vent. I just wanted to explain that Apple, for all that they're hitting new heights, firing on all cylinders as far as iPhones and iPod Touches go, this DRM stuff, digital rights management, is about to, it's about to kill me. I mean, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars with this company, and and they're they're vexing me sorely. It's not a good week to be on my bad side either. But uh, <laughs> uh, now, as I understand, excuse me, I'm sorry. As a non-Apple kind of guy, um, as I understand it, and and I, I thought maybe this was changing, uh, but originally the iPod uh, or 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 and and uh, iTunes, where the music is in theory coming from, um, had their own system of copy protection, right? That was proprietary right. just to Apple. Is that still it's called okay? Fairplay. Yes, it's called Fairplay. Yeah, originally all the music in the iTunes Music Store was encoded using this Fairplay uh, protection, uh, and then eventually, uh, what was it? EMI, I think, was the first one to say, "Hey, if we, if we charge thirty cents extra. We'll let you have it without Fairplay protection." And now all the studios uh, signed on for that. So no music, as I understand it, no music is encoded with this Fairplay protection anymore. Um, only applications. The only thing they're using it for now are the applications that run on iPhones and iPod Touches, or iPod Touch, however you choose to say that. So it's, it's basically you, the same brand. Do, what do you do if you own more than five Apple computers? Are you just SOL? As near as I can figure out, yes. I mean, basically you have to designate some subset of the computers that you own to be your... These are the ones allowed to sync up phones or whatever. My concern is I grew up in a family, I'm the oldest of seven kids. There are, you know, if, if all of us still lived at home, we'd have something like nine, la nine Macs at, at, at my, my parents' house. And, you know, we all have, well, not all of us have iPhones yet, but we're getting there. Slowly we're spreading. So uh, I'm going to be picking up another iPhone at the end of this month when the 3GS becomes available. My wife will inherit this. That puts me up to four devices. And, yeah, I mean, you have to start setting up multiple accounts. One of the suggestions, of course, that I, I got was, well, this is, these are your daughter's iPod Touches, touch, iPod Touch. Why not set them up with their own accounts? 
But I mean, they're 11 and 9. I, I'm pretty sure it's illegal for Apple to require me to, to, to set them up with personal info that I'm given that they're under 13. Ooh, Very yeah. As much as COPPA is annoying when you have to code for it, it it's actually pretty handy you know, now that I'm on the other side. <laughs> so what I've done in the meantime, I mean, I finally, I'm not quite as forced off as I was yesterday because I, I, what I finally did is uh, Apple does allow you to remove all authorizations. So the two authorizations that they just completely lost for reasons unknown, presumably through software updates or something, and the three that were actively in use, I reset it down to zero, reauthorized the laptop I used for my iPhone, reauthorized the iMac that both of my kids used to, to sync up their new iPod Touch, and um, we seem to be okay, except that one of my daughters can't actually connect to the iTunes Music Store. I don't know why. You click and it just says loading, and after about 60 seconds, it, it quits saying loading, but it doesn't actually load. Hmm. I, have to admit that, I have to admit that iTunes is probably the one part of the whole Apple experience that I, I'm not especially happy with in general. And I don't want to be this guy. I mean, I don't want to be the guy that says Apple used to be better back when not so many people used these products. Gosh, gosh, if I could only get back to my Quadra or Performa days. Um, I, I, I don't think it has much to do with that. Uh, I, I, I just, I can't, it's just a measure of how frustrated I am that Apple fanboy number one is, is spending more time venting than raving about the new iPhone. Well, what's, what's awesome. the uh, customer service side of it? You know, I mean, okay, so you're having problems. People have problems with, you know, God knows <laughs> Microsoft is not without issues. So what it really comes down to, I think, ultimately is, you know, how, how good are they on customer service? Yeah, and that's a good point. My wife suggests I ought to head down to the store and talk to them, which I, I've not done yet. I, I searched a bit online, looked in forums. Um, it does seem that most people get sort of the, the, the answer that Anna asked about. If you have more than five computers, you, you pick which five you want to authorize, you know. Um, but they, they've always been good about, like, about hardware issues when I've taken hardware in. They, they replace all kinds of things, you know, no questions asked. Um, so I, I guess I should go in and see how they deal with it, but it, uh, I'm just frustrated. <laughs> Can can an individual open more than one account? Like, could Philip Wynn have two accounts, or will the system not allow that? That's another good question, and I haven't tried that yet. Uh, I actually I have. I guess that would be the other easy solution. Obviously, it doesn't make any sense to give your young daughter's accounts no. their own. But no, what well, someone suggested, my brother suggested, creating another account using one of my alternate. Um, email addresses. I've, I've got a few. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it also requires a credit card. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, I guess my wife's debit card is linked to the same account. We, we could probably work something out to, to ramp up to, to 10. And, you know, at some point I may have to do that. I, I, but but I'm you more, still, I'm, you still have a problem with that because I don't think you could sync the two different accounts. So no, not at all. I mean, it would have to music be music from one. You wouldn't be able to give it to the other, 
unless you did some of the workarounds that people do. Well, I, I, I went ahead and upgraded all of my music except for, I think, one album, um, uh, Lee Nash, the album Blue. That's the only one I didn't upgrade to the uh, non-DRM music from the iTunes Music Store. So music is really no longer the issue. Um, it's, it's these applications. And I guess presumably if I want to play a $5 game and my kids want to play a $5 game, uh, they, Apple would probably rather I buy two or three copies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're not concerned about it at all. So when you buy that, when you buy an application, is that a one-time fee, or do you have to, or is it a timed? Well, it's it's per account. So for example, um, and and this may not cause Apple to be sympathetic to me. In fact, it may not cause very many listeners to be sympathetic to me. I, I bought uh, Tap Tap Coldplay recently, which was uh, I think I got it on sale for. Four dollars, but it's normally five or six. And because I'm using my same account for both me and then for the computers that my daughters use, uh, actually they were able to also download Tap Tap Coldplay without paying a second and third time. So that that could be part of what Apple's tried to avoid. I mean, I suppose if they didn't have any limits whatsoever. Um, you know, I could I could give my username and password to all my friends, post it on the web, uh, and there could be thousands of people out there running my TapTap Coldplay app. I thought that they were moving towards a model of allowing family members to share applications. There is this, yeah, I mean, there is this idea that you can set up allowances. Uh, I'm I'm not entirely sure all that how. Works. I tried to dig into it, and it, it still seems to assume that you're going to create separate accounts providing personal details about people. It doesn't actually seem to be set up for 11 and 9 year olds, from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, though, they're loving their iPod touches, and uh, I suppose you know I, I should be reveling in how wonderful they are. In fact. Do you know what the fastest handheld touchscreen device from Apple is that's available right now? It is, in fact, the, the, the current iPod Touch, faster than the iPhone 3G, faster than, of course, the original iPhone. Uh, it will only be eclipsed in speed by the new iPhone 3GS, and even then, only barely. Wow. Do you know what the S stands for? Speed. Super fast. <laughs> Super fast. I like it. So, yeah. Anna, are you a are you an Apple person as well? Um, I'm I'm a I'm an omnivore in my operating systems. Um, <laughs> I I use uh, Windows at work because I have to have access to Access, um, which is not on uh, the Microsoft software for the Apple. Um, oh. And I have a Mac at home. So, and I've got an iPod. I've got one of the uh, first generation Nanos. Um, and I, but I chose to not get an iPhone when I was upgrading my phone. So I, I kind of pick and choose. And I've used Linux. My uh, my first laptop was Linux. Interesting. Now, yeah. how does all of that? Uh, we certainly know what you do for blog critics, but I, I'm I'm curious how how does all of the the tech side of things figure into your library work? Well, uh, we we do kind of run into a little bit of the whole issue of DRM when we're talking about digital content. Um, for 
the, the publishers who have been putting up digital content for journals for you know the last decade or so, they're kind of comfortable now with like they limit it by IP range, so only people who are authorized can get to it. That's not a problem, but they're they're not really restrictive in what you can do with it once you get the content. Usually, you know, download a PDF or whatever. But the publishers who are publishing the books that they're doing online now, they're crazy with the DRM stuff. I mean, they're <laughs> to the point where it hinders functionality. You know, when when you're trying to read a book chapter and you can only read it online through their reader, can't download it to your ebook reader, and you can only see a page at a time, you can't print the whole document. I mean, it really limits what people do with books when they're reading them, particularly what scholars do with books when they're reading them. So it gets a little frustrating, especially when sometimes these are the same publishers. Like they'll do it one way for their journals, but they won't do the same thing with their books. So I'm hoping eventually, though, they'll, they'll open up and realize that if they want people to use their content, especially the people who've paid for it, they need to change the way they're delivering it. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. How does that tie in with um, uh, you know the whole sort of renewed interest in ebooks? I mean, I remember I reviewed I remember reviewing an ebook in about 1990. God, I don't know what three, four, you know, just centuries yeah. ago in in internet yeah. world or, or online. It's pre-internet, is what it was. And, you know, that at the time, you know, oh, yeah, this is the way of the future and, you know, everything's uh, heading this way and all kinds of wonderful, great things. And then, you know, kind of nothing happened for, for a decade or so. But now we have the Kindle and we have, you know, Google putting all these books uh, online. And I guess they do they already have their own reader or is that soon forthcoming, I believe, the Google uh, reader? And uh, you know, but the Kindle in particular, we got all kinds of of renewed interest, and and you know, maybe this time uh, there will there will be critical mass. I, I think the Kindle has tremendous popular support because it's it's coming from Amazon, and Amazon is very visible in the book world. Um, but I don't think it's it's the ultimate device. I don't think we're there yet. Um, no. It's not it's not as good as a print book. And so until you get to the point where the electronic book readers and the electronic books are as good as print and especially better than print, I think then you'll see a lot more uptake in the market. I mean, when you're going to spend $350 on a device to read a book that you can get for 5 bucks, like you really better get something out of it more than just, oh, I can carry it around with me in my purse. I can have all my entire library in my purse. Like, yeah, because I really want to read my entire library anytime I stop somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, if you're on if you're on a three hour tour, you know, on the minnow, yeah, it, yeah, it would exactly. be good to have with you. That might come in handy then, but I'm, you know, that doesn't happen very often. Well, so, you're a librarian, Hannah, so I know you've probably thought a lot more about books than I have, but I, I want to push back on that a little bit. I spent some time criticizing the Kindle with Josh Hathaway last week. But now I'm actually going to stick up for the Kindle with you just because I'm contrary, I guess. Because you're perverse that way. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, perverse. I'm perverse in many ways. Um, I, I think the real issue with the Kindle is that they're actually trying to be too hard. They're trying too hard to be just like a book. And, and I don't think they're actually going to succeed until they 
move beyond that, until they try to be something different than a book. And, and I think part of the Kindle's success so far is because they do just that. In some ways, they're better than a book, although in some ways they're limited by trying to be a book. So for, let me give you a for example for each. Um, they're trying to be a book, so they've got this fancy e-ink, this you know, electronic paper essentially, where it's, it's nice, high contrast. It, reading it is supposed to be as relaxing and comfortable on the eyes as reading black print on white paper. Um, I think that's limiting them because when most people think of e-books, maybe it's just me, but one of the things I think of is, oh, great, I can like curl up with it in bed and lay on my side, and I don't have to worry about turning pages on a, on a 400 or uh, what was the la Harry Potter book I was looking at last night, 721-page book. It'll be this nice, compact, cute little reader. But because they're trying to be so hard like a book, trying so hard to be like a book, there's no light. So I have the same exact problem with the Kindle that I have with a real book, which is I've got to leave on a bedside, bedside light, which my wife doesn't like, or carry a flashlight, which is just awkward. Um, on the other hand, here's a way in which they're being better than a book, um, ubiquitous wireless access. No matter yeah. where I am, if there's sprint coverage, I can access the Internet. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're thinking outside the box in some ways, but I, I actually think they're still limited by being, trying to be too much like a book. Well, I, 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 will, I would like to ask Anna, what did you mean when you said that um, – you know, they need to be more like a book. What do you have specifics in mind? Um, I, I, the the um, the screen is very close, but I don't think it's still quite as easy to read as paper. Um, mm. and and yet you, you know, and the other thing is like if you're going to take notes on it, if you need to highlight something, I'm thinking about also from kind of an academic perspective where you're where you're marking it up because you want to go back and refer to particular things. Like it's just not as easy to do that as it is to take up a highlighter or a pen. So the the interface, right. the human to computer interface, just isn't quite there very well. But one thing I will say um, in, in response to Philip, um, I'm actually more excited about ebooks on an iPod or um, phone, iPod Touch or the the iPhone, um, because it's backlit, because it's easy to read, because you can hold it in one hand and flip the pages with your thumb. Like it, I, I was so much more excited about that as an ebook mm -hmm. reader than I was about the Kindle, which is trying to be like a book. But the the, the application that I was using on uh, the iTouch that I borrowed, it was <laughs> it it wasn't attempting to mimic a page, but it was doing such a good job of creating a great interface that I didn't care. So that's what I mean by it's got to be at least as good as a book in that you can read it and you can do things with it, but better. Like, there has to be a reason why I would want to use that over print. Gotcha. I and think we are on the that, same that, page. That's the portability, the, um, the ease of use, the use good user interface. And I think the, the iPhone and iPod Touch interface is doing it a little bit better than the Kindle, but that's just my opinion. Hey, i got a feature. Uh, Ch check this out. Uh, my eyes, uh, which I didn't even wear glasses, um, I, I, I wore them for a few years when I was very, very, very young, like, I don't know, four, five, six. And, and then uh, and what was considered semi-miraculous, uh, at least at the time, uh, I, I grew out of them. My, my eyes corrected themselves. So I, I wore it for a while uh, as a very young child. I think by 10, 
uh, I was back to 2020, and I didn't wear glasses, you know, for for 30 more years. But now, the last 10 years, especially, um, and, and you know, kind of every year seems to be more and more. Uh, you know, my eyes are are getting notably worse, and I'm sure sitting here, you know, reading my computer all day long, and and often trying to read as quickly as I can to just pour through stuff where I'm not really reading it because I want to read it, but I got to pull out. I have I have to extract information. Anyway, the point is, uh, my my eyes keep getting worse, and I'm actually thinking pretty seriously at some point. Uh, of of LASIK, uh, it seems like everyone in my family, but but me has has done it, and uh, and more or less happily. Uh, although my cousin had it so early, I remember taking him to the appointment in the we're talking late 80s now. He had it so far back that he's had to have it again, you know, because it. That's what happens. Yeah, uh, so he's had to go back and do it again. Anyway, I'm thinking about that, but but. Imagine this. What if you could dial in your your reader, your e-reader, to reflect, uh, to to correct your vision issues, so that you could read it and it would look, you know, absolutely pristine without having to wear glasses. How cool would that be? That would, well, be, another, that would be another way. It would be better than print. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the Kindle comes with five text sizes, I think, in the new version, so you can make it larger. Um, but it sounds like you're talking about maybe more than that. Like you enter your prescription and it defocuses or, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Correct so, you know, some, exactly. There you go. It, it tracks your eyes and everywhere you look, it, it moves text around so it avoids the cataract. <laughs> but how cool like would that be? Think care. about it. Where you, if, you know, because I hate yeah. wearing glasses. I hate it. Yeah. I mean, it bugs my face. And especially when I'm out and around, it's no big deal if I'm just sitting here in my office all day. I can have my glasses on. Uh, but, you know, if I'm out and about or going here, going there, especially if I'm outside, right, if I'm at the beach or park or something and I want to read, it, the glasses, you know, it's yeah. – and, and and think of this. I need to wear – if I'm outside and it's bright, i got to wear my sunglasses. Well, I don't want to get sunglasses with a prescription. I know you can, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to bother with that. Uh, so just think if I could just sit there and, and read wearing only my sunglasses but have the screen, you know, correct corrected for my vision. Now that would be something I would be very interested in. So I think, Anna, you and I are on the same page. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, in fact, I, I think that one of the smartest things Amazon has done with the Kindle is release this. Kindle iPhone app or Kindle iPhone slash I I'm just gonna say iPhone app, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, because now I installed it. I I had to. How could I not? And now I'm just like two or three clicks away from spending ten dollars at any second and buying a book on Amazon. <laughs> I, I'm surprised I've managed to resist so far. <laughs> they they they've lowered the cost of entry from what is it now, three hundred and thirty dollars or something like that to nothing. You already have an iPhone, and I can read it in bed because it's backlit, just like you're suggesting. I mean, I'm—I don't know. This might be a winner. Yeah. So well, I, I, the blog critics. I got a question for you guys. Um, I don't—I don't know how much reviewing you're doing anymore these days, but you know, what do you what do you think about uh, the change, this gradual change that we're seeing in delivering content to reviewers electronically rather than? You know, through the mail. 
it, it you know we've had that option and and it's been we've had a lot of push from the PR side of things kind of all along I think really back to even you know to the too early on the problem has been all along that there was a lot of resistance from the writers they would much seemingly you know the response has always been uh whenever I've made any sort of you know general inquiry that they would rather have the physical CD the physical DVD you know the physical book uh the physical this the physical that um that doesn't mean there aren't people who who won't work with digital stuff and I think over time we've been doing a higher percentage of digital uh things just because there is more and more of it and it's more and more ubiquitous and and we're using more and more of it um on the site itself you know within stories and and mm-hmm. whatnot i I think we're doing a better and better job of of utilizing those things that are are made available so uh i mean it, it's it's certainly fine with me and it would uh clearly reduce you know a lot of of effort in terms of uh, you know the mailing stuff and the cost of that and and the time and effort of it uh and you know if we could get to that point that'd be great but i i think because we i think part of it's psychological because we emphasize you know that one of the really big benefits of working with us working with blog critics is that you get this neat stuff I think people still, even in this day and age, I think people still perceive physical stuff they can see and touch and file and and pick up uh, as as having more meaning uh, or, or and more value than the exact same you know information. I guess is what it comes down to uh, in in a a, a non physical form. That that's my perception anyway. That's what I was thinking too, but it. Yeah. Yeah. For for me, I mean, I think electronic copies are. I don't know. I I'm a geek, right? That's that's, that's what I do. Electronic copies are pretty darn close to as good as the real thing. Uh, PDF slightly less than, say, a Kindle format, something that I can reformat or blow up the size. Because you know, if I got to read it on my phone, a PDF at eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper is pretty pretty tiny, even for me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with electronic stuff. First thing I do when I buy a CD is rip it onto my uh, computer. Um, you know, I might do the same for books, although I'm standing here right now facing a, a wall of, of something like 1,100 books, so <laughs> I'm still a fan of the paper, too. Well, let me, let me give you a, a, a real-life example of this, and, and actually, I was, I, honestly, I was pretty stunned uh, by it. And then I guess we need to wrap it up because we're we're well past the end of the show, yeah, and uh, and uh, uh, you know it's fine. But the longer we go, I think the the more attrition there is after the official end of the show. Uh, plus, I gotta go because we're having yet another God. We're having another party. God, it's just been it's been a it's just madness for the last I don't know month or something. Our neighbors, uh, it's his 50th birthday today, so, you know, we we got we to gotta help him out. Uh, we've already had one party for him, though, so this will be party number two. Uh, <laughs> but this is the actual day. Anyway, here's my here's my object lesson in, in this whole thing, uh, the, the digital side of things. Uh, as you guys know, a few weeks ago, I don't know if it's, it's probably two, now it's two and a half weeks ago, 
recently, anyway, I went down to Nashville for a college reunion, and these were my roommates from my junior year, and we lived in a house. They were all seniors. I was the only junior, and we lived in a house and, uh, you know, had a lot of fun. It got along really well, and we were all in each other's weddings, those which were soon after the graduation and, and all that kind of stuff. So we were very close, but then, you know, just reality being reality, people drift off, and and I, I had only seen uh, uh, two of them, I think, in in um, you know since within a year or two after after I graduated, and uh, uh, the rest not at all. And and one of the two who I had seen, we're talking about <laughs> 25 years ago, the last time I saw him. So anyway, it was great, super fun. We had a great time. It was really uh, great. But of course. Okay, what are we doing for entertainment? We were, cause we were mostly at the the one guy's house. We went out. We went to the bars in Nashville and everything. But, you know, we're all a bunch of old farts, and they're even older than I am. So, um, you know, we were mostly hanging around and talking and whatnot. So Don and I brought a bunch of CDs because that's still how I function, you know. Uh, she has an iPod. Lily, my daughter, has an iPod. Everyone's got an iPod. I got four or five different kinds of mp3 players i've been given but i just don't ever really end up using i just i got too many freaking cds and that's what i get in the mail still all these you know all these companies are still sending me stuff i make it real clear i will not be uh, reviewing this although i do mention them as you guys have probably seen on twitter and and uh companies have actually taken notice of that even though it's 140 characters, and and half of that goes to the, naming the artist and the, the name of the recording, and you know, and saying morning melodies. But anyway, so we show up with all these CDs, right? We listen to them in the car on the way down, we listen to them in the car on the way back. My friend, who's a, who's who's the head attorney, he's the counsel for Bridgestone U.S. Obviously, a well placed guy, big, nice, high end house. He had nothing to play CDs on in the entire house. No one who was there. Uh, it's it's there's four other guys, four and me. So there were five of us in that house. Of the four guys, none of them had anything to play CDs on. Nothing. There was no method of playing CDs. And I mean, I was just astonished. You know, he didn't have a single CD player, not even a boombox in his house. Uh, all he had. Uh, he did have an MP3 player. So, you know, we ended up, um, the, the the other guy who's also a music guy, and and has stayed very current, actually. I was actually quite impressed uh, how current he is. Uh, you know, he had his iPod, and he had all you know vast amount of material on it, so it was no problem. But it was just, hey, I want to play this for you, because I brought down a bunch of CDs I thought they'd be interested in. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't play it for him. You know, there was no way of doing it. I guess we could have put it on a um, a PC. You know, he had a PC up in his office. Right. That's what I was thinking. Is a computer theoretically could play it? Yes, you're right. That and, and and that could have could have worked. But but there was not one actual you know traditional uh, uh, CD player. And I said, well, what about DV uh, DVD? Because uh, you know you can play CD on a DVD player. Yeah. He didn't have a DVD player. He had a he had a uh, he had a uh, some sort of Blu-ray player that did not. And I didn't even know there was such a thing. A Blu-ray player that does not play regular CDs. Um, uh, I think it maybe played regular DVDs. Anyway, the point was, here we were, gathered, and I had all these CDs with me, and there was no way to play them. At least no, you know, kind of obvious way. I guess if we would have really thought about it, we could have 
come up with some method. I guess I could have transferred them, you know, made digital copies from his PC onto something and then loaded those onto the the uh, iPod, I guess. But, you know, that was... Well, <laughs> well, despite being as geeky as geeky can be, I want to assure each of you three that if you ever show up at my house with a CD, uh, an LP, hey, I can even play records still, Good or man. anything like that, we, we, we can play it here. Did you see, and then, and then I really will go, did you see, I, I did a, a tweet on this recently, last, I don't know, week, I'm sure, um, that, uh, that LP, or, or, or vinyl, so it would be singles and, and albums, uh, and 12 inches, um, uh, LP, uh, vinyl records had the, their biggest sales last year, in 08, since 1990. Wow. I mean, I believe it. I've got I've got a brother who buys only vinyl. It's very interesting. I I'm glad I've ha- you know I'm, like I'm glad 17. I've hung on to mine. Does he got get just regular vinyl? Does he get that real heavy audiophile stuff? No, I mean it's it's mostly just regular vinyl. I mean I I don't think he's got a really you know really sweet rig right now. Although his plan is to eventually upgrade, but. You know, he's kind of made it known. So when we get him gifts for birthdays, Christmas, and stuff like that, I mean, he's got, I think, uh, you know, the Joshua tree on vinyl is, is an ideal Christmas present, that sort of thing. Well, if you if you, if you you take care of them, if you maintain them, mm-hmm. if you don't no scratch them, on and on, there really is something, you know, special about the vinyl sound. But the problem with vinyl, the problem that has always been with vinyl, is it's very easy to mess it up, you know. And plus, if it's something you play a lot, the simple physical act of playing it actually wears it out. Right. So you could take, you could do everything you possibly could to take care of a record. If you played it enough times, you would wear it out. Wow. That's the main advantage of digital, you know. In, I, I I have audiophile friends who say that the that the beauty of digital is that it sounds just as bad the thousandth time you play it as it did the first time you played it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> just as bad. Uh, I I'm uh, I I appreciate both. You know, I still have my twelve, thirteen thousand vinyls of which I have added not more than a hundred to over the last close to 10 years probably you know i've had the same collection in other words for the last 10 years uh but you know i've hung on to it and i do play them i there there are cer- certainly still plenty of recordings that i only have on vinyl i don't have them on cd so if i want to hear it i you know want to listen to it and uh i i i do I, I don't have real well what i have is dj stuff so that's kind of different you know it's really hearty and very durable and whatnot but it's not it's, you're not going to get audiophile sound uh, out of it, uh, out of the turntables. But because uh, I still have my dual turntables with the two turntables and a microphone with a mixer in between them, that's that's still what I play on. One of these days, maybe I'll go high end. But if you're if you're going high end uh, with turntables, man, it is really expensive, and that needle wears out. You got to replace that. And that's ex- I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars to to get you know higher end stuff, uh, like anything you could spend infinite. But uh, you know, to get something that would really be notably better than what I have now, um, I mean, you could easily spend two three thousand dollars. So that's a lot, and I'm I'm not terribly inclined 
to do that at uh, at this point. Anyway, great conversation as always. Thanks so much. Great talking to you, Anna. Thanks for checking in, and sure. uh, thanks for doing what you do. And uh, yeah, it sounds like we finally uh, turned a corner here today uh, on the on the tech front. So that is certainly good news because you know if we could start promoting stuff, that's that's what we need to do, and that's what we want to do. You know, that's what we've been wanting to do. We want to promote. We want to get the word out. We want to tell everyone how great we are and all this great stuff that we're doing. And now with the feature tool in place and uh, and with the mailing list working, uh, we can we can do that. You know, we it doesn't nothing Very good. Happens. So all that's to the good. So have a great week, everyone. Talk to you soon. Farewell. Bye. Bye. Bye.